The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. We have been in a a four-part series, and the series is called Be the One. And so we, uh, this is a ministry that we started three years ago uh, called Be The One Ministries. And so as you start doing life with us, you'll uh, get a little bit of picture of what Be The One is. But today I want to go ahead and take this thought process a little further. And I want to talk about how the battle is real. I don't know, people throw the word real out. Man, that's real. The battle's real. It's, I, I, don't, I don't know if you watch much basketball, but a couple years ago, there was a player in the NBA named Jeremy Lin, and he had a breakout year. Um, I remember watching the game, and it, this dude, and, and this, this sermon is not about the NBA or basketball, so some of you are like, I'm not an athlete. <laughs> uh, I paint, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so you're like, I, I, don't, I don't understand the, the analogy, but, but, but the this, this story is incredible, and we tell stories because stories motivate us. Yeah. You know, in the Bible, the Old Testament, you hear a lot of stories of, of a picture of Christ and, and all of the Bible is about Jesus. And so, um, and so stories are powerful. And so Jeremy Lin is, is on the Knicks and the Knicks aren't really that great this season. And, and, the, and they're playing the Nets and this has a breakout year, scores 25 points and everybody's like, I mean, they had this um, slogan where it was like Linsanity and you had all these t-shirts and everybody was like, man, this guy is, what, what, who is he? And uh, it was just 25 unanswered points. It was fun. If you're a a fan, you you remember that. But these stories challenge us. and, And as we're not talking about the NBA today, but we are talking about that you don't win without preparation. You know, that was a, a moment where everyone was like, wow, who is that? But really, he had had a lot of practice and there was a lot of things that he did when the moment arised and the opportunity arised, he was able to show what he had done in practice. You know, he was able, nobody knows the countless hours that he was in the gym, but when the moment came, he was ready. And I wonder how many battles he had to fight. I mean, I don't know the background story. Me and Jeremy Lin don't kick it. But, but I, I, I wonder if anybody ever said to him, you're not going to make it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to play in the NBA. You'll never start. You'll never be this or this or this. And to have that kind of a moment, you know, and sit, turn, turn the air up a little bit. I, I'm seeing some people like, <laughs> uh, um, uh, turn up to 70, yeah. Um, but, and so I want to work, look at three scripture verses that will help us understand that. Because I want to talk about David and Goliath. And I want to talk about this story. But I think that the reason I brought into this Jeremy Lin story is because this was an epic moment where he showed out and a great moment occurred. And David had one of those moments with Goliath. And I want to look through three scripture verses real quick. quick. 1 Samuel 16, 13. And it says this. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, now here we go. This is the beginning of David coming into what his future is going to be. 
Right now, he is the youngest of eight brothers. There's not really anything significant about David. In fact, Samuel, a prophet, goes to Jesse's house with the intent to pick the next king because Saul had rebelled and David is not even invited to the party. But this is the beginning. Then we go over a little bit in Samuel 17, 24 through 26. It says this, and I just, we're going to read a few to set the stage of what we're going to talk about today. And the men of Israel, when they saw the man, we're talking about Goliath, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and it shall be that that man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give his daughter and will give his father's house exemption from taxes. Come on, holla. Uh, <laughs> then David spoke to the men who were by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes this approach away from Israel? But who is this? Un this is like smack talk in the OT day. You know, I, I, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Now listen, I don't know if you've ever, you know, when men get together, and we had a couple guys, we had four or five guys uh, go camping and we just hang out and do, and it's funny when guys start to tell stories. Because it's like, we talk about fishing and nobody really knows how big the fish was. But to make the story good, we're not going to lie. We're just going to embellish a little bit. And, and I just can't help. David is not even in the army. He's an errand boy. His dad sent him to go take some cheese and some bread. And he just happens to show up in this event. He was not invited. There was no invitation. The king did not say, hey, Dave, we need you. He just is there. And he's popping off like, hey, we'll be done if I whoop him. And if I beat him down, if I take him, what will I get? I mean, that's not, a, that's not a, a thought that just everybody has when you start to think. It's like maybe you would want some background. For, who is he? Well, who is his mom? Where is he from? You know what I'm saying? Do we have any missiles? Uh, I mean, but, but not what do I get when I kill him? I mean, that's, not, that's like if it's big enough, I might do it. But if it's not big enough, I'm going to let y'all handle it. I mean, it's just it's a funny phrase and, I, and as we're looking at this, I want to see that one moment leads to this moment and how it affects our life. In John 15, verse 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go, check this out, and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain and whatever you ask in the Father's name, he'll give it to you. Maybe there's not that much of a difference between David and us. Maybe he knew something that maybe we need to know. Maybe, he, maybe, maybe there was something that happened in his moment with Samuel that changed the course of his life. And maybe that thing can happen in our life. And maybe there's some great moments that we can have. I'm not saying you're going to go to the basketball court and make 25 unanswered points. But maybe in your kid's life, in your marriage, in your business, maybe there's going to be a moment 
where you realize that it's not just a church Jesus, but he comes in, changes my life, affects my life, and I start to do life different. And I start to do life different. And so I was looking at this, and I'm just thinking about this. Goliath comes up, issues a 40-day challenge, and uh, their team captain, Goliath, is, is just really um, talking smack. And for 40 days, for 40 days. And Goliath is not a chump. He's not a small, it, based on whatever source you, you, you find, uh, they, it ranges from his height from six feet, nine inches to nine feet, six inches. And based on what you study, but, but really in that, that's about his height. And David's a boy. Right. So Goliath is looking like a monster. Okay? And there are th- a couple things that I want to point out as we talk about the battle. First of all, it's important for us to realize that David was anointed. That was the separator. The reason that other men did not step up is because another, another man did not have a word like David had a word. David had a moment. David had a moment with Samuel. David knew that he was going to be the next king. And it's amazing that there was nothing. If you go back and read, and we already read this on the, in the first um, series of this podcast, but there was nothing about David that stood out to be more than average. He was just an average, redheaded, ruddy kid. But then God anointed him. And here's the deal. The next thing we read is that he is, he is ministering to the king. He is fighting lions. He is killing bears. And now Goliath is next. And here's what I would like to pose a thought to you. Is that if you don't understand that God wants to use... Now, here's the thing. We are the hose and God is the... The, the, the water in the hose. But he is always looking to partner with people to do something great. Always. God, well, I mean, Esther, you can go through Abraham. You can go through all of the disciples. God, we are not the great thing. We are the conduit to usher in the great thing into our families, into our environments, into our homes, into our churches, into our businesses. And, and, and God is always looking for someone that will Make him Lord. Show the truth. It's because the truth sets people free. And, we, and, and we're in a place now, as we look, that maybe, maybe we have a lot of believers that do their Christian duty by coming to Sunday. But our church is about showing up on Monday through Saturday. Showing up Monday through Saturday. Loving people, helping people, you know, uh, 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 loving your neighbor, uh, watching your tongue, you know, managing this faith that God gave you. That's what we're trying to do. And so we feel like the church is great at getting people from the seat to the altar, but we're bad sometimes at getting people from the altar out the door. David knew something that in the midst of a bunch of warriors, he could step up and go, that's my dude. I can take him. I can take him. Now, the term anointed, what does that mean? Maybe you're not in church and you haven't been in church. What does it mean to be anointed? Well, here's the deal. That was a practice for shepherds. And so what would happen is that shepherds um, poured oil on the heads of sheep because bugs would get in to the ear. They would embed into the ear of 
the sheep and it would kill the sheep. Man, we, we could stay all day on that. The point is that the shepherds would, 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 would lube their head so that the bugs couldn't get in and they couldn't dig down. Man, how many times are we missing opportunities because we have a voice in our head or come on somebody, you know what I'm saying? How many times do we not step forward, not take this opportunity, not move forward because we have all of this, well, that won't work. It probably won't work. Don't do that. Well, you know, I don't know if I should do that. I don't know if I should do that. What I'm telling you is David was anointed and what that really meant in that day is that it was symbolic for blessing, protection, and empowerment. Blessing, protection, and empowerment. Blessing. We're not talking about just a big bass boat and some material possessions. We're talking about that God's hand was going to be on David's life and that, and that life was going to work if David gave God the opportunity. Life was going to work. What, what, what about this? Protection. David knew I can, go, I can go kill this lion. I can go kill this bear. I mean, not too many people think when the lion comes, run toward it. <laughs> I think run away. I think, you know what? I need to run, and I don't need to be the fastest. I just need to be faster than the guy running next to me. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, if Mufasa comes to me, I'm gone. My point is that David knew he was anointed. What would our life look like if we knew God had chosen us and picked us to bear fruit. How would we walk? What would our conversations be like? What would our depression and insecurity and, and all of these things that we try to, to, to need as a fulfillment of who we are, what would it look like if we knew, man, there was a purpose for our lives to be salt and light? And the salt is not to salt the salty. We're not to be light to those that are lit. It says the salt of the earth and the light of the world. As we look at this, I'm thinking about three battles that we'll all have to face if we're going to be the one. The first is that David had to battle what he saw. You have to battle what you see. Come on, Goliath looked like a big problem. Many times we uh, gain our perspective only by what we see. Goliath was big and impressive and, and he was a nasty problem that was going to come and wanted to steal, kill, and destroy the, the, what God put in order. But David teaches us more than how to just take a problem on it head on. He shows us about vision. Like, did, did David not see what all the other men saw? Did David, David not see Goliath's mouth of calf or arm, forearm? Did David not know that Goliath was on P90 for giants? Did, 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 did David not know that, that, I mean, do you see this guy? Do you, do you see it? He shows us that no matter how the big the problem looks, God is greater than our problem. God is greater than our problem. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk not 
by our sight. We walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. You see, trusting God means following Him even when it looks hard. Even when it looks hard. Even when it looks like this is not going to work. Even when it looks like I, I don't see how there's a way for my, my, my marriage to come back together or my child to change or my, or my finances to get out of this hole. I don't see how there's a change. But, but we don't look at what we see. In your marriage, in your business. Listen, prayer moves the hand of God and we are His tools but we've got to act, and fear of what you see will keep you in a category of just potential only. God never wanted us to be potentially great. God wanted us to go and change the world, do something with our life, do something with our home, do something with... God, did, God is not interested in you having a big house and, uh, you know, 4,500 square feet. Two pools and a jacuzzi. But God will let you have it if you fill it up. God will let, God will, God will, I mean, obviously, God will let you have it if you use it. Come on, don't go, don't look by what you see. You may see a giant, but David saw something different. Listen, what do you see? You see the giant falling. You see us moving forward. You see us financially stable. You see us opening our home. You see God moving in your life. You see your kids thriving. That's what you see. And that's the word that you go by. The second thing is this. You're going to have to battle what you hear. You're going to have to battle what you hear. Because in this story, which we don't have the time to go through it all, but the fact of the matter is that You see in this statement that David said, what's going to happen when I kill him? That statement was a separator from all of the other men that didn't see it the way David saw it. The men saw no way of beating Goliath, but he started to talk. And then as soon as he started to step out and say, you know what? I'm going to do it different. We're going to do it different. We're going to live with a different purpose. Maybe my purpose isn't to achieve material things, but maybe my purpose is to advance the cause of Christ, which none of this is wrong. It's just David had a different, he saw it different. Now look at this. As soon as, as he steps up, and it never fails, as soon as you muster up the confidence to move forward, there's always going to be someone to speak doubt. There's always going to be someone to, to make an announcement, to, to, to tell you it ain't gonna, it's not going to work. You know, when David said, what will happen if I kill him, there was no applause. None of the men said, whoo, finally, we're going to take Goliath down. There was nothing but quiet and crickets and criticism. Eliab came, his own brother, and started to tear him down and say, you can't do this. I know why you're here. I know what you're trying to do. You're not trying to impress anybody. You can't beat him. Then Saul hears about David's statement, and Saul says, you can't win. You're, you're, you're but a child. You're a youth. Listen, it hurts when people refuse to believe in you. It hurts. And the fact of the matter is, the Bible doesn't mention one person encouraging David to fight. 
And I want to stay on this topic for a little bit because I feel like as believers, we've got to grow in some maturity and we are waiting for people to recognize the gift in our life, right. call it out and right. applaud it, right. but maybe you just need to do it. Well, I went to that church and nobody. <laughs> David was on the verge of fighting for the nation of Israel and nobody yep. wanted him to fight. Listen, there's a big difference. And you've got to decide who's going to control your dreams, your victories and your successes and there are critics that surround everyone who attempts to battle a giant. There's a big difference between critics and coaches. Critics are people who are willing to find and ready to find fault in people. They love sharing their opinions. They give harsh and unfair judgments. Critics are more concerned with removing people than they are promoting people. Critics, let's just talk about them for a little bit. You know what? They're not looking for giant killers. They're more concerned about what happens if the giant wins. Yeah. Critics, you got to be careful that critics, because they can remove your hope. They can shatter your faith. And it's different than a coach. See, a critic wants to pull you down and tell you all the things that you can't do. But a coach... Well, and it's very hard in this millennial generation, it's hard to coach anybody. Yeah. That's because if you start coaching, you don't think I'm good enough? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. The same God in me is in you. That's right. what, you, you mean everything that I do isn't awesome? And so it's like, man, for, for, for someone to, to really get developed and to grow, there are areas that I want to grow. Katie and I this week, we're going down to Birmingham and we're going to spend time with some pastors and I'm, go, I'm not going to walk in going, hallelujah, I have my church. I'm going to be like, teach me how to pastor people and love people and stay married and have great kids. Just, uh, just teach me. But very few people are like that. Very few people allow a coach to move into their life and take them to the next level. A coach may yell, <laughs> speak the truth, get mad at players. David's a coach uh, of, a, of a junior high and high school. Now, think about this. Coaches, I, I, I have been near coaches. I remember in high school, Sometimes coaches are not nice. <laughs> coaches get mad at you. Coaches have bad facial expressions. As a player looking at a coach, it's like, <laughs> I just want my coach to be happy with me. And it's amazing how the players want to try to manipulate the coach. We're not going to run, are we? Yeah. You're not going to make us do hard stuff. Let's think about this. Listen, the function of a coach is to produce winners. Coaches are on the sideline encouraging, demanding, and bringing focus to each player. A coach helps 
improve a player's weak areas. Take a look at the influences in your life. Are they coaches or are they critics? Do they believe in your success? Are they giving you wise counsel? Or is it always just negative and suppressing? Can I tell you this? Your values should never be validated by others' opinions of you. Your, your value should never be validated by other people's opinion of you. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't feel good to get some encouragement. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs a little, that boy, good job. You know, everybody needs a little pat on the back. Man, you're doing great. But when you open yourself up to, talk, to allow them to talk about your value, then you're going to go down a road of hurt feelings. Because your value has already been discovered. The value of life in your conception, before the foundations of the earth, your value was established. Now, your influence is different than your value. Does that make sense? Value is something intrinsic. When, 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 when life happened, and that's why we value life, because when life happened, we know that that's a gift from God, and that value has been determined. Now, your influence is something else. Don't ever make your influence your value value. Someone's got to be able to help you get your influence to the next level. But value is different. Value is different. God loves you and has a great plan for your life. The Bible says that his thoughts towards you are good. So the next time you feel the urge to be validated by others, just know that you could be opening open up the door for some rejection. Because your value has already been determined. Listen, don't fight to remove the critics in your life. Keep your fight on Goliath. And, 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 and we are in a society that if you're too critical of me, I will cut you off. I will, I, you know what I'm saying? I will remove you from Facebook like a mother. I will, I will delete your presence. I will move you out. Twitter, Facebook, you know, family, you know what I'm saying? I will take my burial site and I will go somewhere else. I will be done. Now let's be careful. You know what is amazing to me in this story? Is that if you were to read it, David does not fight with Eliab. He does not say, Eliab, there is no drama. And I, and I, I, I want to help us understand because if you're going to battle what you hear, there are going to be people that challenge it, don't believe in it, would not do it the way you were going to do it. And, and there is a difference between wise counsel even now, I have pastors and people in my life that I call and I ask, hey man, what should I do about this? I'm a man, they're a man. I'm grown, they're grown. I mean, am I second because I, I need some wisdom? No, the Bible talks about that, that, that in the multitude of counsel, 
you're going to make a great decision. There's a good decision when you ask for wisdom. When you humble yourself and be like, hey, you know what? You're five years down the road than me. You're ten years down the road than me. What, what do you think? I mean, can I get some perspective? I'll make the decision. I just want to know your information. Because I already know my thoughts. I need to know yours. <laughs> I already see my perspective. I already know I'm mad at this person. I already know I want to just take the car forward and back. I already know that that's how I feel. I already know that's how I feel. Can you tell me, speak to, not my flesh. Don't ever hang out with someone who agrees with your dysfunction. Don't, don't, don't let someone speak to that flesh well, you know, well, you know, well, you know what I would do. You know, I don't want to know what you would, I want to know what he would do. Because I already know what I would do. Listen, the battle for your, what you hear is going to be important. Because there will be times that God will say, turn off the TV. And you'll have to battle for what you hear. There'll be times when God will put, especially as a parent, God will put something on your heart that you need to start believing God and praying for for your kids, and you need to hear that. There's times as a business uh, leader and person that, you know what, this job, this promotion looks so good, and it looks like the very next thing, but you need to be listening because the battle for what you hear, all money ain't good money. It may not be where you need to be. That's great. Battle for what you hear. The last thing is this is there is a battle to take action. We have to battle of really taking action because, come on, church people are the best at amening things we don't do. We're, we're good at it. We're good at, oh man, read the Bible. Yes! Pray. Yes! Give to people. Absolutely! Help somebody. Yeah. And we're passionate about someone else doing it. That's it. That's it. That's we are passionate about, I believe God's calling you that, brother. I'll pray for you. Why don't you do something? Yourself. Listen, action is always the separator in life. Jesus said the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. David showed us that he wasn't too busy to engage. He was just running an errand. He wasn't supposed to be there. He had sheep back home and responsibilities. There was a reason why he didn't need to be there. There was a reason why I don't need to stay. I've got, I'm, what's going to happen to the sheep? You know, I've already killed lions and bears. I may lose a few if I stay. I have real reasons not to be here, but he was there. And in our subjective culture, there was always a good reason for you to be somewhere else. But you will only be effective being where you need to be. That's it. Because we are, one thing that people are good at, we are all good at excuses. From a little kid, we grow up, and it doesn't change. Come on, my, I leave my shoes out, and my wife says, uh, babe, oh, oh yeah, yeah well, uh, what happened? I was, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, take, take those, yes, yes, yes ma'am, <laughs> you know? <laughs> In a subjective world, if truth can't pin you, then you won't grow. That's right. 
You won't grow because the Bible says that we all seem right in our own eyes. That's why we have to measure it against something that's unwavering. David was able to take action. Church, if we could realize how important it is, our presence is important. We are needed. David didn't give the guys a pep talk when Goliath came over. Hey, guys, let's rally around. Come on, bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Everybody started crowding. I mean, David did what David could do because there wasn't another man in that moment that could do it. There wasn't another man in that moment that could do it. David didn't just write a check. David didn't give an encouraging word. David didn't walk over and pray and fast. David took action. Come on, in the church, the church is looking for men and families and women and teenagers who can be counted on to be there when the fight is on. There are some real battles that we'll all face. And I can't even imagine what Goliath and the fear that that brought. But I know that Goliath was not as big as God in David's eyes. Listen, you know what? You may, it may ruffle some feathers, you know, saying this. But I want to say that in a culture where we pray and a culture where we fast, and I'm, I'm for both of those, we're going to do may we pray. And we did it on purpose because it sounds fun. And, and may, get it, may, 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 I mean, fun. And I want to pray. And I, I want to teach our people how to pray. But if Paul would have stayed home and never went on one missionary journey and just prayed, there would have been a different effect. If Martin Luther would have prayed and never wrote the 95 Thesis, there would have been a different effect. And sometimes we want to pray away our giants when we need to go face them. David did not. All right, guys, rally cry, rally cry, hold hands, interlock. You know what I'm saying? Sweaty palms, come on. Let's start praying. He didn't do that. He went out to the giant and he took his head off. And whatever's been tormenting you, whatever's been messing with you, no matter how old or young you are, it could be your kids, it could be your personal life, it could be whatever it is, I am telling you that there is a time to pray and there's a time to act. And if the church will understand both of those, the seats will be full and people will be getting their lives changed. You are called to be the one. And there is a battle. There is a battle, and I want to encourage you to win the battle because the battle is real. The battle over what you see, the battle over what you hear, and the battle that says, I am going to take action. I am done talking about what I should have done and what I could have done. I am going to start, and I'm going to take action today. Amen? Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at the house, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.